Richie Wexler of Vintage Annals Archive. I'm happy to announce that we are, this is a new series we started uh, called Building Momentum, M-O-O-M-E-N-T-U-M, a very unofficial How to Dance in Ohio podcast. For you, for those who don't know uh, what How to Dance in Ohio is, it was a documentary made by Alexander, Alexander Shiva uh, about um, essentially a social skills program teaching young adults how to prepare for a dance. Uh, that then got turned into a musical that was um, in Syracuse running for about a year, if I'm not mistaken, and then it came to Broadway. Um, and uh, unfortunately it is now over, but I know something is something next, whatever happens next is going to be amazing. Uh, this was such a groundbreaking process in terms of Accessibility. I mean, there was an entire accessibility team that made sure everybody felt at home in terms of rehearsing uh, everything they needed to be their best. And everyone involved got that treatment. Um, you know, I'm very sad this is over, but I have to also celebrate the fact that this, this changed lots of lives. It changed my life. I, before this time, I would identify as uh, neurodivergent, on the spectrum and I was afraid to identify as autistic because of just stigma and this and that um, and this really gave me the bravery to do that of just how real people were uh, that I got involved with that I got to talk to we have about 13 interviews now we're gonna hopefully uh, add some um, I really have to thank before I start Sammy Canold uh, the director really went out of their way to help me out with this process uh, I also have to really thank um, Ray Esposito, again, was a really big help in negotiating uh, this world. I had not really done uh, much press on an active musical, and I needed a lot to learn, and those two parties were very helpful. And also, Arthur Castro, my editor, uh, really stepped it up. We, you know, once we found out the show was closing, I had to kind of, I wanted to push all this out so that way people knew the story. Um, we've got about 13 interviews with cast members, access team, the director. Um, uh, we're going to be speaking soon with Dr. Amigo, a, a wonderful man uh, who started all this. Um, and also uh, Alexander Shiva, who directed the, the documentary. And hopefully I'm going to keep adding people as this thing keeps having life. So please share. Um, these are longer form interviews. I didn't do a lot of extra editing. Uh, I wanted this to be very real and authentic, and there's some times that I'm sure I'm not making a lot of sense. Uh, generally, when you're editing and interviewing so much in such a little time, things get a little, uh, a little lost in exhaustion. Uh, but I really wanted to honor the people by not changing too much. We did do a little bit of editing, but mostly these are as is. I didn't want to fix anything. I wanted people to be who they were and not really, you know, not change that in any way. Uh, so, you know, you're getting a very real, authentic, um, we're not heavily editing, fixing everyone's like or um, because I really wanted something real. And I wanted to honor the people I talked to, and I didn't want to change their words in any real way. So thank you so much. Again, this podcast um, is called Building Moment Momentum, um, a very unofficial How to Dance in Ohio podcast. I named it that for a few reasons. One, I wanted to kind of cater to younger, like 14, 15-year-old 
uh, folks uh, that are autistic to kind of, you know, dig into this, the interviews. Um, and I also didn't want to get sued. So it was very clear that this was not an official thing in any way. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, again, we're going to be, we were putting out a few of these at a time. Um, as of the 12th, we will have about four or five more and we'll be adding them over the week and then possibly more. Depending on what happens next with the musical, um, we will be adding some more. And all I got to say is how well I was treated by everyone involved, how, admi how much I admire the cast, the crew, what they've gone through, what they built. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful things. And again, as someone who's autistic myself, as someone who's a special ed teacher, as someone who's loved musical theater since I was a kid, um, this was just something I really had to, I had to really get involved with. And I, I can't, I'm, I'm so proud of uh, what I got to do here, but more that I got to know all the people I got to know. I, these conversations were some of the most memorable ones I've had. Uh, I just want to thank everybody involved. So please again, share, enjoy, um, and again, we have 13 episodes, hopefully more, and we'll be posting as we go along. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to check out more information on on the podcast, it's under it's under our main vintagejournalsarchive.com, and there's a page for Building Momentum. So please share. Please check that out and enjoy. I'm very happy to have Connor Tag as our guest today. Connor was one of the leads. Tommy in the musical How to Dance in Ohio. Um, this acts as episode 80 of the Vintage Outsider podcast, as well as episode 11 for Building Momentum, a very unofficial How to Dance in Ohio podcast. We have 11 episodes over there, and we're putting some of them on our main page. Uh, it was a treat to talk to Connor. Connor uh, was such a good, so good at performing, uh, hilarious. Getting to talk to him, very passionate, very smart, um, very kind just a really amazing person, and I'm very proud to have them on the podcast. So enjoy. I'm autistic. Um, I can tell you this show made me, I think, learning about everybody involved made me go from claiming to be uh in, on the spectrum to actual autistic because of just like fear around uh stigma yeah no it's um it it's really one of those shows that really opens a lot of eyes and doors and it just makes everyone feel seen for a really long time um for you i'm curious how did it change did the show and being involved change how you feel how you identified as autistic or i'm not sure if you I'm not sure your, your identity. I'm not sure if you, I know it was labeled as you guys all identify as autistic, but I'm just curious for you, had that shifted or changed or it, overall, it is how you feel about it going, having gone through this process. It was actually, um, it was a really great process, you know, because, so I found out about this. Um, I found the very first time I heard about this was um, through a casting call with someone I know uh, told me about this and they were looking for actual autistic actors and i'm like i wasn't sure about it at first because of how autism was represented in the media in the past but you know i just went for it i auditioned i got a call back and apparently they liked what i did and then i came in for the reading 
and then Syracuse, and eventually leading up to Broadway. But, you know, it was a great experience because the way it was, the way the process was done, we all, including myself, we all felt very understood. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of trust with, with every single one of us in the cast, in the team, in the crew, like everyone, like everyone just felt at home. Um, was the, I know there was like a big process with the access team, which is really what impressed me the most yeah. of how comfortably made everybody, but also like that it wasn't just for people that identified as autistic. It was everyone, which I believe you can tell, you can tell certain shows you watch certain things that the cast got along. You can tell it meant they were taken care of. Um, and I'm just curious on like what that was like as just someone being part of anything, regardless of disability, what was it like to be treated like that? How did that make, how did that affect your work? It was, it was actually a really great safe space for everyone. And as you mentioned earlier, we had people on the spectrum that were like on like the other side, like, like those that were, that were not acting. Like um, one example I like to bring up is uh, my good friend, Nicole D'Angelo. Uh, I think you interviewed them. Uh, yeah. And Nicole and I, we actually know each other we knew each other through Epic Players. We've uh together on a few occasions. And to see them be part of this team, it really I'm really happy for Nicole that that they got a chance to shine in the in the section that's that they were part of. And we also have a few um a few directors and producers um that are also on the spectrum. And we also got Catherine Quinn, who's like the who helped with the script. And uh, we also have an autistic creative consultant, uh, Ava, who you also interviewed. They are they're awesome. Um, and I know, I guess, I know uh, Sammy Kennold's brother was autistic, and I know Rebecca yeah. identifies somewhere as neurodivergent. Um, I remember Sammy telling us about that um, for the first time. And uh, yeah, this I'm, I'm really glad that Sammy was, was our director, and I love her so much. And I think she did Harold Prince really proud because, you know, this show's dedicated to him. He, he originally wanted to, to direct um, this musical. And I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, all the letters that are, like, on the stage, there's one section, like, I think towards the top right, there's an HP. So that that's, that's a little nod to Harold Prince. Oh, right? I love that. Hal, we're dedicating this to you, and I know you've been watching... I want to go back a little bit from your interest into theater in general and then kind of get back into Epic Players just because I'm curious about what you did. But, you know, were you, um, how did musical theater, you know, how did you find musical theater? Did you go to shows when you were young? Were certain shows, did, did you have that one show that kind of just like blew your brain apart? Yeah, actually, that's actually a really good question. I'm, I'm going to answer for you right away. So going back, like way back, when I was like younger, like about like five years old, I used to watch a lot of uh, Disney films on VHS that, that included DreamWorks as well. And I would reenact scenes from it because, you know, they're so, so popular. And I kept on doing that. And then and then I turned nine. And then I hear the news about the passing of Michael Jackson. And I didn't really know who he was. But then I looked at his stuff. I was, like, so intrigued by, by his moves, his his songs, his short films, basically everything that he did. 
And that's what got me on the path to performing. And I eventually performed Billie Jean at my uh, fourth grade talent show, and I won. During all that process, I was part of action play arts, shows that already exist. But then, um, going to how, music, how I got into musical theater. So I eventually found out about Avenue Q. Okay, so Avenue Q, um, my, that was in uh, Shrek, Shrek the Musical. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that. he was Pinocchio. But I grew up watching him on Johnny and the Sprites, which was a show he did for Disney. Huh. And what just, was that show? What was that show like? It was it was one of those children's shows on like like Saturday mornings on like Playhouse Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um it's basically it's about so Johnny plays like a, a fictionalized version of himself who lives in this magical world called Grotto's Grove, and his are the sprites. You know, Ginger, Basil, Lily, and Root. They go through, like, life lessons and all that, and it's also a musical. It's just as great as Bear in a Big Blue House, and I want that show to come on Disney+, Plus because I want to revisit it so bad. Johnny and the Sprites, he created that show, and he started it. And, you know, I got to meet Johnny for the first time in 2015. I was part of a summer program at the York Theater, and there was a day where uh, Johnny was coming in to like you know talk to us for a bit, and I was like, I was like so excited, and I told him just how great it was to meet him, and I and I told him that my dream role is Princeton and Rod, and he said, "Please go for it, please go for it," and I told him that I love Johnny and the Sprites, and little did I know that years later I would reconnect with him in some sort of way because. Um, because apparently uh, one of our co-stars in How to Dance in Ohio, uh, Haven Burton, who, uh, Terry, uh, Jessica, uh, uh, she she personally knows Johnny and they did Shrek together. She was in the ensemble for that. And I hear like many great things about him. And I was doing a takeover for How to Dance in Ohio because I was making my 54 Below debut. There was a question, but I did a, like a Q&A section. Yeah, yeah. And one of the questions was favorite musical of all time. And I told him it was Avenue Q and that Johnny's the reason. And I tagged him in that. And the next morning I wake up, I find out that he follows me on Instagram. Oh my God. I was, it was a great thing to wake up to. And like months later, um, when we were in previews, we were like, I think we were like in the second stage of previews or something. And I get told by stage management, well, like general stage management is like there's someone special here i didn't ask who it was but i kind of guessed and i'm like where is he <laughs> and he was like by the merch stand it was a reunion with me and johnny he was just so proud of 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 how far i've come and he apparently enjoyed the show and he also co-produced their show so yeah it's like a full circle moment and i've been chatting more with johnny and he's just the best human being like ever and now he's got a promotion at the fraggle rock there was one person who came to see the show and actually remembered me from a long time ago and that was sarah Bareilles. yeah actually um i was doing an audition callback for a tv show that she was developing at the time called little voice for apple tv plus and she was in the room and i Nice to meet her, and I told her that I saw her in Jesus Christ Superstar live with John Legend, and she was so kind. And years later, I find out that she 
came to see the show and she's still as kind as ever. And when I was meeting her, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in this callback. And she said, yes, of course I remember you. I and oh my gosh, it, it, it just, it made my night. When someone who like also likes you, it's like, it's like you're okay for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you like know, everything about your life is fine. If this person likes me and they're my hero, I have bigger, bigger designs now. Did, did you oh, experience that? Did that change how you feel about yourself in a certain way? Probably community is very accepting and welcoming. And I just, I feel really honored to be, to be part of it. Cause you know, everyone knows who everyone is and you feel like everyone's your friend. And you know, I actually saw spam a lot uh, last night. How was that? It was so fun. It was so fun. And I got to go, on the St. James stage. So yesterday was my birthday. I just turned oh, 24. Happy birthday. 24, wow. Happy birthday. And uh, Haven took me to see Spamalot. And she, she's friends with, um, sorry, my hair, Leslie Kritzer. And uh, I actually, I did a live stream with Leslie like the day before Christmas Eve. And she's she's the best. Nice. And a majority of the cast of Spamalot knew that me and Haven were here because we've crossed paths when we performed in the parade. And... Alex Brightman was writing to me because he he found out he was really excited. And um, before we met Leslie, Alex was the first person to um, come out and uh, say hi to us. Then um, Leslie brought us on stage and we just we just talked for a bit. And it was just it was just a really fun night last night. That's I'm, I'm so happy. It's such a good birthday. Yeah, I'm curious on. I mean, you know, doing epic players is one thing. Being on Broadway is a, is a different thing. Did being yeah. on Broadway, has that changed how you see your future on Broadway in any way? Or was it the same before? I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like both. But, you know, with Broadway, it's a lot more hard work. It's hard work, but it's fun hard work. And, um, you know, you have like more rehearsals yeah. and more time. I mean... With epic with epic players now with epic players, um, they're also a neurodiverse company, but right. but we actually get to do shows that exist as well as our own cabarets, and with that stuff, the rehearsals can take like like a few months, and for a show that's either in the spring or in the fall, and it takes it does take some time, but um. You know, I've always felt more comfortable with um, with the Broadway work. Now, How to Dance in Ohio is over, but whatever the next thing is, I'll just I'll keep my eye out and I'll just keep working hard. And with Epic Players, I I love the community so much, and I'm just gonna keep visiting them from time to time. Yeah, I guess I was curious more about your confidence. Did that is that something that's always been there? Did that shift a little bit with just like Broadway? <laughs> it's hard to tell i know it's i love that answer tell. it's a weird question i'm just i don't know like you know it, it, it's no but i love i love both communities yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I I don't mean to imply that one's bigger than the other one i think to be honest and everything i'm doing like i just i don't really believe in that i think everything is valid and every story is valid but you know it's a different thing um do you have like do you have four or five dream parts in in general in theater that you could that you'd be comfortable sharing uh, yeah, I actually, um, I actually yeah, do have a few as far as like roles I want to play. Um, well, number one will always be Princeton and Rod from Avenue Q. 
I want to show I want to show off my puppetry skills and all that. For me, as a Muppet person, as a Jim Henson person, like that was the best thing. Um, so I, I really hope that for you. It's such a great part. I also want to play um, in like years later. I want to play. I want to play King George the Third on Hamilton. On Hamilton, I've done "You'll Be Back" several times. The last time I did it was at Broadway Sessions, and that got a lot of attention. Okay, there's that second. Give me a few more if you're comfortable. Um, I also want to play Toby in uh, Sweeney Todd. Nice. Toby is the like the younger. Yeah, and you know, I actually did Sweeney Todd before in my college. I was in the ensemble, and I died three times. Three. <laughs> but I was also the understudy for Toby, and thankfully it did not go on, because at the time, I was only looking at my ensemble work, and that was gotcha. it. What was, um, what, what did you, what was your, uh, where did you go to school if you're comfortable, and was, was your focus on theater, and or musical theater? Oh, yeah, so both my schools were... My high school and my college were both in the performing arts. So the high school was Repertory Company High School for Theater Arts. Wow. My college was New York Film Academy, a professional conservatory for musical theater. And that's NIFA is where I did Sweeney Todd. Nice. I saw yeah. you did, you post something that was part of your reel that I really liked. It was, um, you were talking, you were singing in a mirror. It was original, I guess an original piece. Yeah, Tell actually, me about that. Um, so there's a thing that we did in NIFA, like when, when we enter our second year, we film original movie musicals. And that clip you just saw was one of them. It's titled Sky's the Limit. And the character I played was Jerome, who works as like a, like a bartender, but has a crush on his neighbor. And he's like, he's a Star Wars nerd. He's a Star Wars nerd, just like I'm a Star Wars nerd. Are you are you an old time Star Wars nerd, or do you do you like is it everything, or do you get like picky around time frame? I think some people with Star Wars nerd nerdum maybe because of age, it seems like they get stuck in certain things. Like, oh, I like the old stuff, but not the new stuff. Or do you have any favorites in that world? Well, with Star Wars, I like the projects that are in the time frames of the prequel area and the original trilogy area. Okay, prequel area, I'm like mixed, but. I mostly love the prequel area and the Imperial area. When you say Imperial area, what do you mean? The, the original trilogy area. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what about the new shows? Have you enjoyed any of the, uh, the new series at all? In terms yeah, of I, I love the Mandalorian. Yeah. I love the Soka. I'm excited for bad batch season three. That's be a big one. Coming in like a few days. Wow. That was very fast. Were the Muppets and Sesame Street a big influence to you? Well, at first, it was the Muppets from Avenue Q, because, you know, gotcha. and Nikki, Trekkie, and all that. And then the more the more I was interested in those puppets, I developed more into uh, not only the Muppets from Sesame Street, but also the Muppets from, from the Muppets. You know? <laughs> those Muppets. You know, yeah. Kermit, Fozzie, and, you know, the Muppet Show. The Muppet Show was... Something that I really, really loved, and I would watch it a few times with uh, my my parents because they because my dad grew up with the Muppets, and you know what got me into puppetry was not only Avenue Q but also the behind the scenes of Sesame Street and the Muppets and how how the puppeteers um, do the work, and I learned that just by watching the behind the scenes because how they did it. And one time I was reenacting um, a scene from Sesame Street 
like, like, like on my own spare time. So um, it was actually a, I was doing a puppet that my mother made because I was doing a scene for uh, a thespian competition at my high school. It was a scene from Hand to God. And the scene I was doing, well, when I was reenacting the Second Street was was a Grover waiter um, scene. And what I did was I was looking at the iPad because that's where I was watching the video. And I would look down and I would do like the puppet movements like up above. And I would like glance every now and then. <laughs> no, I heard it's, I heard when they do it, when they, when the puppeteers look at the monitor as they're working, it's like reverse. I don't know if that was just because of technology at the time, but it seems like now they wouldn't need to do that anymore. In terms of behind the scenes, what did you learn that really, what were a few things you learned that really kind of shocked you or like impressed you in terms of that, that studying? Most of it involves teamwork, especially with um, live hand puppets. Because, okay, so two years after I met Johnny, um, at the same York theater program that I was in, um, another Avenue Q alumni, Stephanie Diabruzzo, was, um, was teaching us a master class about puppetry. And I volunteered to help her out with uh, live hand puppets. So what we did, we had a collection of white t-shirts, which were like bodies. And I would like put, put my hand, like my puppet, that I was doing the, the puppet hand. I would put it on there and I would perform the um, left hand, like just, just a regular hand. And Stephanie would perform the right. And she was just showing us how that works and apparently um we got into pairs and we did our we did our own stuff if yeah yeah, yeah. Do you, um i don't know was she involved with sesame street in any way or, or not so much yeah yeah stephanie is involved in sesame street i think she took, took over playing prairie dawn johnny and stephanie and and uh, rick lyon and jennifer barnhart they most of them most of them were like like additional Muppeteers from Sesame Street. So they didn't, I don't think they played like any main, main characters until probably like years later or something. But you know, there's that in between all that stuff. And you know, they probably had other stuff to do like in between. Now, now Johnny is, is Gobo Fraggle. And on the song, If You Were Gay, that was actually the very first song from Avenue Q. No, that's a lie. The second Avenue Q song that I've heard, the first one was It Sucks to Be Me. And I was like, oh my god! I was like that. The, my first reaction was that. I grew to love the music more. And, uh, you know, I started watching clips of the original Broadway cast and there was a lot of stuff that really, that really made me laugh hard. Like, the one that still makes me laugh is The Internet is for Porn. It was so unexpected how it was done and i was like oh my god what was robert lopez thinking but on the other hand that is art how long uh was was syracuse okay so syracuse um syracuse is from like september september 22nd or i know it was like september 20 something and it was supposed to end the run on like october 9th but um, most of us got sick with COVID. Oh, no. Thankfully, I didn't. But we had to cancel the rest of the run because of because everyone in the cast got ill, and it was it was hard. But 
then eventually we came we came back for the tire three work session before before broad okay so but you know it was a great start um, i'm curious about tommy i should i i did i did this early on and i haven't i should have checked it i tried to i wasn't sure i didn't understand who made it to the show from the documentary more or less like, and so i made a list was tommy a, a, a big character in or was tommy a character in the documentary did you get to know tommy or was, was that more of a mixture of other people it was mostly a mixture of other people main focus in the documentary was jessica meredith and Caroline. right the documentary is a really great piece my my parents cried watching wow. it for the first time they really and you know we actually got to meet our real life counterparts um and our opening night on broadway and it was it was really cool and i got to meet the real version of of my character he was mostly quiet but he was pretty cool he was really cool i meant to start with this but i forgot i, I read through your um your bio and your webpage, and i loved that um you wrote i'm also a person on autism spectrum diagnosed at a young age however it does not inhibit me in any way it encourages me to work harder doing the thing i love i pick up things very quickly i retain information i'm not afraid to fully commit to any character or circumstance i love i don't know i love the the self-advocacy in that i, I love i loved reading that i'm right really, it was really nice to ha have that in there i'm just curious on i don't know if you're if you're comfortable sharing one or two stories just just of a moment of whether it's on stage or behind the scenes, just one one or two important moments through Ohio that was just meant something to you that you can remember that you're comfortable sharing. There's actually lots of great um, backstage moments that I think I can I think I can share. Um, so whenever there were nights where one of our understudies, Marina Perez, was going on for either Johanna or Terry, there have been some moments where during like towards the end of the number under control i would go backstage and it would be me marina and uh imani and madison harmonizing um a lyric section of under control and another another backstage moment was um during after my chevy silverado number um it me amelia ashley and madison go like you, there's there's an area where we like cross backstage where where no one sees us and we go to a monitor where where they like show the whole stage and we will watch Liam do the admissions number because there's like different versions of admissions there's the angry version and then there's the lighthearted version we watch both and we like laugh so hard because he does it so well and it's just it's something that we've enjoyed but those are the two things that i can bring up thank you so much for checking this out again if you check out our page vintage analyst archive we have a building momentum page which has more information on the show and everyone involved that was part of the podcast. Again, please share as much as you can. Uh, I do this really for the love. I don't really make any money at this and I do spend money and I'm happy to do that. Um, but any, 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 any sharing um, of our podcast can be really helpful. And again, make sure to check out upcoming episodes. We'll have about uh, six or so uploaded by February 12th and then 
another three or four over the week, and then we're adding a few more. But most of these will be out by mid, I would say by the third week of February. And then, you know, depending on what happens next, we'll be documenting more and more of it. Um, and again, again, one more last thank you to Sammy Canold, the director, really went out of the way to help me out with this process, as well as Raymond Esposito, one of the producers, really um, helped me out. This was my first really attempt to document a document interview people on an active musical and uh, it's very different from working in film or music it's a whole different process and those folks really were helpful and helped me figure it out and also thank you to uh, uh arthur Ar- 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 castro my editor who stepped this game up um we once we found that it was being closed i really wanted to have this stuff out by around the time it closed because I wanted people to understand what everybody went through and how important it was. And I want to thank again all our guests who spent time with me. It was a pleasure meeting all of them. So again, thank you. Take care.